You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So, y'all doing all right this morning? Y'all, y'all seem sleepy. Is it, is it, is it the weather? Y'all just, y'all just seem sleepy. Yeah, some of y'all are like, yeah. Some of you are like, no, it's the kids. It's really, it's, it's the children that make us sleepy. Um, you know, somewhere along the lines in Christianity, starting in about the 15th century, I know this is sounding exciting right now, I'm about to make you sleepy, the church began to take a turn because the world began to take a turn, and in around the 16th and 17th century, the world took a turn to believe that everything about life was about the individual. You with me? That it was all about me. Now, let me pause for a minute. I need you to know that happened a long time ago when a guy named Alexander the Great started taking over the world with this big word called Hellenism. And it was the idea that, the, that man was the measure of all things. That's one of the, one of the great uh, Athenian philosophers said, that man is the measure of all things. That it's no longer about the gods who are the measure of all things. Man is now the source of truth. Man is the source of goodness. Man is the source of beauty. And what that did is it started this kind of understanding out into the West. Everybody say the West. Out into the West, as westward expansion came, and Rome, and everybody else, it all became about me. I love me some me. That's what it became about. And it became about the individual. And so then, this country, coming on the heels of other countries, picked up theories, political theories, philosophical theories, that was just all about the individual, all about the me. All about the me and my rights and my freedoms, and that the world is best in control when individuals are in charge. And so we push back against any concept whatsoever of group identity. Come on now, you with me? And now in our current culture, group identity is seen as shallow-minded or anti-me. Now what's interesting is that we are literally made for group identity. Anybody familiar with tribalism? Anybody familiar with how when you go into other parts of the world where you find people are gathered as tribes and they develop a common life together. Anybody familiar with that idea? Anybody familiar with a triune God who within God's own self, God is community? Anybody familiar with that idea? Anybody familiar with the idea that our faith sprung out of an Eastern world where it was not just about the me, but it was always about the us and the we, and it was about a sense of group identity? Did you know that the right hemisphere of your brain has an attachment center to it and it's really trying to always attach to others and find identity in others? Did you know that about yourself? Did you know that we weren't made for me identity? We were made for we identity. Did you know that the we identity is exactly what Garrett just read to us in the book of Acts? Did you know that it was understood that when you came to Jesus, it was not going to be about me, but it was going to be about we, and that if you didn't have what I had and you needed what I had, I would sell or share what I had so you could have what I have so that we could have it together? Did you know that? And Did you know that the people of Israel, every time they forgot the me, the we identity and traded it in for the me identity, they found themselves in exile to remember that the me identity doesn't end well. And so that's what led us to Isaiah 61, where the priests come back and say, yo, we've been forgetting about the we identity. We traded it in for the me identity, and now we have a chance to get our we identity back. 
And so the priests stand up, and in the spirit of Isaiah say, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We said that was what? Begins with a J, ends with an E, and has Ubali in the middle of it. <laughs> Jubilee, there we go. Man, I was, y'all got it. Jubilee. And the day of our God's vengeance to comfort. Now, listen, now it turns. So the beginning of the text says it a me, but then it turns to an all and a we. That's the tenor of the text. It says to, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning. Splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called. Everybody say they. They will be called. Who's the they in the text? Those in need of a new crown. Those in need of beauty. Those who have been mourning for far too long. They are the they. And they will be called trees of justice. Come on now. Planted by the Lord to glorify him. And they, everybody say they will rebuild the ancient ruins. Everybody say rebuild. They will restore the former devastations. Everybody say restore. They will repair the ruined cities. Everybody say repair. And they will even do it for the devastations of the generations. You know why they do it for the devastations of the generations? It's because the past is never in the past. The past has always got a little bit in present. And if it doesn't get dealt with rightly in the present, it'll carry on into the future. Come on now. That's the way the story goes. That's how human beings work. How your mama raised you, you're trying to raise your kids the same way. How you saw your parents love each other, how you saw your, your parent do the hard work, you follow into that same thing. How many times you heard somebody say, my granddaddy, my grandmama, my auntie, my uncle, we're always standing on the shoulders of somebody who came before us. That's because it's a we identity world. But we are too busy trying to be me identity people. And we are kicking our toes against the curb and breaking every single one of them. And then we trip all over ourselves because it's hard to walk with broken toes. I can keep playing that out if you want. <laughs> because the church is called to do the work of restoration, reparation, and reconciliation. That's the Isaiah text. That's the way it works. You see this Isaiah 61 that I just read? Y'all know who quoted this in his first sermon that he ever preached? Come on. Begins with a J, ends with an S, and has Izu in the middle. <laughs> Jesus. He preached this text. You know why? Because Isaiah 61 is a theology of the church. It's what it means to be the people of God. And the very people that are often excluded, the very people that are often marginalized by the centers of power, the very people that are often pushed aside, the very people who we say God has done with them because there's nothing else God can do through them, those people, they are the ones that the scripture says will be the oaks of righteousness among us. They are the ones who will lead us in the repair and the restoration they are the ones because why? Why do you think that is? Because their lives needed repair. And so when we struggle to see what repair looks like, we look at those whose lives have been repaired and they lead us in the work of repair. You with me? Those whose hearts have been broken, we learn how those broken hearts healed. And so they teach us how to submit our lives to the God who can heal the brokenhearted. Are you with me? That's the they in the text. Too many times I like to read the Bible with me in the middle of it. 
right? It's kind of like the she, all the parables Jesus said. The 99 are there and the one gets away. Jesus is going to come for me. Sometimes I'm the 99. You know, the 10 lepers that got healed and the one that came back and gave God praise and the nine didn't. I like to be the one, but the truth is sometimes I'm the nine. We like to read the text so that we can be the heroes of the receiving end of the stick. And the fact is, it all matters. We all matter. Everybody say, we all matter. We all play a role. We all have a purpose, but we need to read the Bible rightly, and we certainly need to do so in a culture that is all about the me. So, that's all I'm going to say. And I'm going to let Ray and Tony and Marty with Faith Walker say the rest. Because I figure it's probably best that instead of we talk about the me, we actually see what the we looks like. I just want to let y'all know, this is the most workout I've done all week. <laughs> now, nah, brother's tired. I'm going to take a break. Somebody give me some water. Some Gatorade. Take me a nap. All right. Tony, Marty, Ray, y'all come on up, brother. Y'all, this is Tony. Raise your hand. That's Ray. Ray, raise your hand. That's Marty. Raise your hand. Come on up, brother. Now, Tony, I know you, you're kind of small, so you might sit over here. You should work out more. Um, Marty, why don't you sit there? I'm going to sit here. And then, uh, yep, let's get you. All right. So we're going to do the best we can with a round table. So what do I do with the mics? So church, this is uh, these group of men I had heard about. And then in the Juneteenth event that we served in, I finally was able to meet them. And I found out all the good work they were doing. I'd heard about them for a minute, and I knew these men were serious about their faith. So much so that they started a nonprofit, and that mattered. And so I've gotten to know these men, and I love these men, and I love the passion and the faith that they have. And honestly, I felt like they could be the better sermon of Isaiah 61 I, that I could ever preach. Uh, so I would like to go ahead and just, why don't we do this simple? But for, for, first off, y'all need to know we didn't rehearse any of this. So they don't know what I'm saying. So they're walking by faith too. Um, that's why they called faith walkers though, I think, right? See what I did there? See what I did there, guys? Y'all see that? You see me? All right. So what I want to do, Tony, grab, grab the mic. Um, we'll have to share one of the mics. Uh, intro, just introduce yourself. You don't have to tell much else about yourself because we'll do that in a minute. So just introduce yourself. Yeah. Born and raised kind of thing. Yeah. My name is Tony Elvis. I'm right here from Williamsburg, Newport News area. And, um, well, that's well, good. That's okay. good right now. Yeah. Marty? So we'll keep it there for now. Uh, my name is Marty Wright. I was born in Richmond. I was raised in Williamsburg. I grew up in Williamsburg my whole life. And, uh, I'm blessed to be here. All right. Ray? How you got, Mike? Good morning, church. It's a blessing and an honor to be here in front of you this morning. My name is Ray Page, and I am the president of Faith Walkers and also the um, uh, husband of my wife, Carla, right there. I have two sons, two daughters, five grandchildren. Uh, one of my daughters, Naima, is there, and my granddaughter, Raven, is right there as well. Be good. Be good. So, Ray, you set the precedence. Can you hear me here? Uh, then we get, yeah, chill the mic. Go ahead. 
My name is uh, Kit Wright. I'm the treasurer of Faith Walkers. And since Ray introduced his family, mine aren't here, but I've got uh, seven children and 33 grandchildren. And Did you say 33? 33. All right then, bro. And 22 and three quarters uh, great grandchildren. We got a family. We got a family named the Childresses. They have 33 children. <laughs> They're gonna have 65 before it's over. Now that's that's great, bro. That's great. That's good. That's good. I appreciate you being here. So here's what I like to do. Tell us the story. Tell us your story, one at a time. What led you to this place? What has God done to lead you to this place? Which one do I want to go first? And you're going to need a mic. Yeah, you're going to need a mic. So what has God done to get you to this place? Sitting well, in this seat. I give praise and glory and honor to my Lord, my Savior, my God, my rock. Because of, he didn't, let me, he, he didn't allow me to continue to go on a lifestyle I was once in. was going to lead me to a hell, a pit of hell. That's where I was headed to. And with that being said, with that being said, I, was get, I had to do 25 years in federal prison, and that was a blessing to me. I know somebody looks at me, man, he going crazy. And I was, it was a blessing. I needed that. Because I've always been a hard-headed type of person, you know, stubborn, and I, um, bull-headed. You know, so you can't tell me nothing. You know, I got to experience it. You know, my mother, my grandmother, aunties, uncles, you know, they couldn't tell me nothing, you know. And um, I had to find out the hard way. I, I was out there selling drugs and doing things that was wrong. And by that being so, it, it led me to a life, you know what I'm saying, of, 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 of 25 years in prison. But that prison, it wasn't a place, you know what I'm saying, that was like, made me, had me to a place where like, saying, what was me? It brought me to a place like Brother, you know, Brother Fred was talking about earlier, of brokenness, you know, it broke me. And with that brokenness, it made me to the man I am now, who led me here. And it was a long, it been a, I, can, I got testimony that testimony on the things that the Lord has done for me and done through me while I was in prison. And with that being said, it was just amazing of how what went forth, the scripture that went forth today, you know, in Acts 2. That was one of the key factors, you know what I'm saying, that God first laid upon my heart that he desired for me, want me to do, you know what I'm saying? My work, my life, I can't speak for anybody else. I like to just stay in my lane. And he desired me, you know what I'm saying, to, to be used to bring a gathering. You know what I'm saying? To use to bring to gather the people, the, the saints together. And not just only gather to bring the saints together, but to gather according to his word, the truth, you know what I'm saying? And not to be sugarcoating that. And by that being so, I can see why God, I can see how God called us, you know, by our lifestyles. Because I never was a person who was actually shy or nothing. I, I, I was straightforward and bold, you know, in everything I did. And I can see now why I'm led here, you know what I'm saying, with Pastor Fred, you know what I'm saying, these brothers right here. And I can see why now, you know what I'm saying, in this hour, you know what I'm saying, why it's so important, you know what I'm saying, for me to walk in my calling and what he's calling me to do by the gathering the saints together on the truth and, uh, and the, the beauty and the power of his word. And most of all, the authority of his word. So that's, that's what led me here. You know, I see a very, uh, brother who have a heart, you know what I'm saying, that's, that I, that's what I'm familiar with that I see a lot of good brothers like him that I have come in contact with, and I see that's sincere about the gospel. So these are the things that let me hear, you know what I'm saying, that I see sincerity. Because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a fake. Even though, you know what I'm saying, we, we make mistakes, we make wrong turns at times, but it don't be a place that we stay there, though. 
We don't get comfortable there, you know. We come out of that stuff, you know. And that's what led me here, you know what I'm saying? Because I see the brother of Man of Truth, and I also see, you know what I'm saying, that this going, this, this, we're going we're gonna to do some marvelous, mighty things. Uh, I've, been, I've been showing that, and I feel that, and I that's sense right. that in the spirit. I already know that. That's right. That's right. Thanks, brother. Marty, how about you, bro? What has God done to lead you to this moment? <clears throat> and we'll get into details in a minute. For both of you. Well, Bye. for me, um, the blessing of being touched by God to experience his grace in a time where grace was much needed. You know, like Tony, I lived a life that was a lifestyle that was destructive, which led me to prison. And in prison, you know, I think that everybody in their walk of life, in this life, at some points in time, wants to experience Jesus in a real way. Now for that, that may it differs. It differs for different people. Yeah. It differs, but it doesn't change the fact that we all want to experience Christ in some way. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, it wasn't sickness. It wasn't losing a child. It wasn't being hurt. For me, it was going through a stage of brokenness like you preached about. I, you touched on it so marvelously because that's what it takes. A lot of times for people to change and to really experience Christ, you have to go through a stage of brokenness. And for some of us, like Tony was saying, he was hard-headed, mine was harder. And I can admit that, that the man that I was, the man that people look up to, even they still look up to that man today, is not a man that I would be proud of. You know, people looked up to me for the wrong reasons. But I thank God and I praise God and I honor God that today they're looking up to me for the right reasons. Mm. Mm. Because one thing I've never done, one thing I will never do, I've never been a person who judged other people because I have not walked in their shoes. Mm. I don't judge people. I meet people right where they are because Christ met me where I was. There we go. And I will say this, and I'm going to pass the mic. God revealed something to me. And it touched me and it changed me in a way that no person could ever do. He reached me. He told me, he said, you have not fallen so far that I can't reach you. Mm -hmm. And he touched me, mm. and he changed me. Mm. Yeah. So like, like Tony and Marty, uh, myself, we were all in the Williamsburg area. We were doing what we thought we were big and bad enough to do. We were heavily influenced by um, the wrong things. Um, were heavily influenced by the music of the culture at that time, um, late 80s, early 90s. Got caught up in that culture, gangster rap, um, watching the movie Scarface and all this other gangster stuff that glorified the wrong thing. So being heavily influenced by that, um, being out here, 
coming from situations with, I, I believe we all have some type of trauma mm -hmm. uh, growing up and not ever addressing it. But we found ourselves um, glorifying the lifestyle of a drug dealer. So that was what we pursued and that's what we, uh, we lived that lifestyle. I mean, we were out there and truthfully, Tony was like my little brother. He saw me driving around with the BMWs, with the big gold chains and all this stuff. And he looked up to me and he came, you know, after me um, and there's a whole lot of others that were influenced by, you know, the lifestyles that we live. Marty was on one side of town and I was on another side of town. One thing a lot of people don't know that me and this guy right here, we never liked each other. When we were teenagers coming up through Lafayette High School, after high school in the streets, it was almost on sight when we saw each other. You know, a lot of people don't know that. They think that we are old friends, but we were old competitors and we didn't like each other. So. Y'all were enemies. Exactly, we were enemies. Yeah, we were enemies. Yeah, to say it lightly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's nothing but God that could bring about the change. That's right. And so when I found myself, we all found ourselves incarcerated. Actually, they did a big sweep through Williamsburg, um, federal charges, and we found ourselves incarcerated at the same jail. And they called it, uh, you know, they dubbed it like we were friendly competitors, but like, like you can see, we wasn't friendly competitors. But nevertheless, we found ourselves in, in, in a terrible situation. I was already in state penitentiary when the federal indictments came out. So our feds came to the state, picked me up, and we were kind of reunited. And it's just the reality really hit home. You know, when you sit there and look, I had two sons at the time. And then and the charges that we were facing were um, life sentences, you know, which Marty actually received. Yeah, I guess he'll get into that later, but you're looking at a man that had life sentences. That's three life sentences that's sitting right here. So we were all facing um, heavy, heavy, heavy amounts of time. Um, so it was during that time that, I mean, that, that, that word brokenness really, really rec resonates, you know, heavily in our hearts because we were, um, not like as a sister that has a song that she says that uh, when God breaks you, he breaks you gracefully. So we were, I can say we were gracefully broken. And when you sit there and you realize and you look at a piece of paper and says, and we've been in trouble in the state before, it says, you know, it's Commonwealth of Virginia versus your name. And then you see United States of America versus your name, it kind of hits a little different. You know, so looking at United States of America versus Raymond Page, I'm looking like, okay, um, this, this is serious. And then you're seeing people going to court, coming back with 70 years, 60 years, and you realize this thing is, is, is serious. You know, so we just hit a point where you, you, you can't call out to, you know, you call out to everybody that nobody can help you. But God put you in a situation where you have to call out to him. So that's the situation we found ourselves in. We had no choice but to call out to God. And amazingly enough, which, you know, he answered. 
You know, even though the lifestyle that we live, that's that's the great thing about God, that it doesn't matter what you have done. There we go. You know, that you call on him, you can be saved. And so what brings us here together is that, that, that place of brokenness built us and made men out of us, godly men out of us. And um, I've been out longer than them. I spent seven years in prison. They spent over 24 years in prison each. So I've been out here, and I've seen guys coming home, going back, coming home, going back, coming home, going back to prison. And so I and I see the youth out here, and I always try to you know be a good example to them, because our names kind of ring bells in neighborhoods, and so we have some type of influence around here in certain neighborhoods. So we I always thought I said, man, knowing Marty had life sentences, Tony had. Um, 28 years, no, 30 years, yeah. I kept thinking, I said, man, if these guys were home, you know, I said, we could really make the difference in our community. And lo and behold, God delivered Marty from three life three sentences. Three life sentences. Delivered Tony and came home, and, and it's nothing, nothing but God that could bring us together. So, I, so I want to I do that. So I'll get back to you in a minute because I'll swing back to you at the right time here. Um, so God met you in prison. How did God meet you, and what did God do? Be specific. How did God meet you, and what did God do? Why don't you go, Marcus? I know you. And then, Tom, we can come to you when you're ready. Right. Well, for me, it was, it's, it's really simple. You know, I wasn't able to heal myself from the hate. Uh, you know, hate was eating me up from the inside out. I was hating because I, I want to I want to share something with y'all about prison that you may not know. Prison is going to do one or two things. It's going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, they become bitter and then they come home. And they come home and they make their families bitter. And that seed germinates, and then they're gone again. For me, I chose to become better. Now, like I said, I couldn't heal myself from the hate, and it was eating me up from the inside out, and I just got tired of hating. I just got tired of hurting, and I cried out to God, and I asked him, please take this hate out my heart. Because I couldn't sleep. I was walking around with a smile on my face, doing everything that everybody else was doing, playing sports. But at night, when the lights went out and nobody was near me and I was all alone, I had to fight with me. And so I got tired of that. It got old. And I was hurting too bad. And I called out to God got down on my knees and called out to God and asked him to remove the hate out of my heart. And God did it. And I will say this. God revealed something to me when he did it. He said deliverance doesn't happen in your circumstances. Mm. I'm going to say that again. Deliverance doesn't happen in your circumstances. Mm. It always evolves out of your mentality. Mm. 
how you think, mm. how you see the world, mm. how you see yourself, how you see God. Mm. That's when deliverance takes place. Mm. Because you have to change your mind in order to change how you live. Be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. And that's when God gave me the motto, believe it or not, I didn't know it at the time, but God gave me the motto for our organization and for the program, the mentoring program that I taught in federal prison. Change your mind, you change the world. So my thing was, when I began to change my mind, I began to change the way I live. And glory be to God, and guess what happened? God changed my circumstances. Mm. Mm. Marty, hold that. And so you mentioned, we're going to come back to both because I want to hear, we want to hear from y'all on the same thing, but you mentioned it. So then a mentor program took off. Yes. God planted a seed in your heart. Walk us through that. That'll get us closer to the final question. So walk us through what took place with you and through you. And then where did the intersection come with these guys? Well, what happened was, was, you know, I was going to church. I had went through all kind of programs to better myself because, like I said, when I began to change the way that I thought, I began to change the way that I lived, so I, I wanted to be better. I did everything I could to be better. So programs in prison, programs church service in prison. in prison. All of those things. I eventually became, I don't know if y'all are familiar with a program called Celebrate Recovery? Yeah. Well, Celebrate Recovery is what led me to this great man here. I met his son. His son was a volunteer that came into the prisons teaching Celebrate Recovery. Make a long story short, I went through the program and eventually I became the Celebrate Recovery inside leader. His son was the Celebrate Recovery outside leader. And so doing those programs, you know, I began to change the way I think. I began to change the way that I live. And God blessed me. And God has a sense of humor. When he wants to touch you and wants to talk to you, you know, it's, it's something that is out of the ordinary. God woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning for a whole week straight. And he gave me the idea, planting the seed in my mind, to write this program. And again, to make the story short, I eventually wrote the program, took the program to psychology, which I was dibbling and dabbling in psychology, trying to learn how the mind works and how people think. And so I took it to psychology, and glory be to God, the, the leader, the deputy chief psychologist, was a Christian lady. God led me to a Christian lady. And believe it or not, and Tony and Ray can attest to this, everybody know what a warden is when it comes to the prison, right? But the warden doesn't have the power that a psychologist has. Believe it or not. He runs the jail, but they run the jail, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So she fell in love with the program so much that she became the staff sponsor for the program. And I began to teach the program. We graduated nine programs in English, 
and then the program was translated uh, into Spanish. And we graduated one Spanish class before I left. The program is now being taught in Talladega, FCI, and in Alabama by one of my former students. And the program was so successful and it was so powerful that I received recognition from President Obama while he was still in office. I'm one of 15 people in the whole United States of America that ever received a letter from a sitting United States president. And glory be to God, God opened that door. Amen to that. So Tony, how did, uh, how did God meet you? Well, like I was saying earlier, you know, prison did the breaking, but prison didn't do, I wasn't in prison for the revealing. And when I'm talking about revealing, revealing who Christ is and to see, uh, and get a glimpse of his glory. Just to let y'all know, my former life, I was considered, I don't know if y'all ever heard of five percenters. You know, they got all type of different five percenters. I picked the one I liked. <laughs> That's how I, and the one I liked was, they say, you, you God, you can give life, you can take life. You can take the pistol and take life. You can give life by getting a girl pregnant. You know, it, it was just some wild stuff that we was, well, I was believing in before I came to Christ. All type of different doctrines and stuff that, you know, Paul talked about it. So that's what I, 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 I fed off of that. You know, so I lived my life. And like Ray was saying, he hit the nose when he was saying how our music can play a big influence. You know what I'm saying? A lot of guys off from Wu-Tang Clan, they was into that, you know. And we was making a lot of trips up New York, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's where a lot of our drugs came from New York. So I, the culture, you know what I'm saying, got a hold to me on, on that. And when I look about it, like when I think about it, at that time, it was it, it got so bad with me, you know. These guys, they, they're a little older than me, you know. They're like, they're grandfathers. They're like, yeah, they're like five years, they're about five, six years older than me. And like Ray was saying, I used to look up to this guy, you know what I'm saying? This guy, I was like, man, Ray got the BMW, ooh, ooh, ooh. I forgot about football and everything. Yeah, I was playing football real good, doing real well at it, you know. Just on my freshman year of high school, you know what I'm saying? And everything just went out the door, you know what I'm saying? I seen this fast money, you know. And these guys, you know what I'm saying, they was doing it. But then I came to the place, I became even better than them, you know what I'm saying, as making money, you know what I'm saying? Because of looking at it and seeing the things that was being done, I said, hold on, I'm going to take this and do it better. You know what I'm saying? That's, that was my mindset, you know. So it was just crazy how... How, how corrupt, you know what I'm saying, my mind was when it's just getting money. You know, now I want no killer, none of that, you know what I'm saying, but at the same time, I was willing to die for the streets, you know what I'm saying, the neighborhoods that I was in, involved I wasn't going to let nobody come out there and come in my hood, you know what I'm saying, like that type of stuff. Wouldn't have died for that stuff. So now, it's just a beautiful thing to see what I was willing to die for when I was in the street. Now, I wouldn't die for now, the principles of Christ now, mm. you know what I'm saying, and the things of the Lord, the word of the Lord. It's a whole different transform of kingdoms now, you know. And I see that by, and I say all that to say this, that what it did, it led me up to, to a place, you know what I'm saying, of, of, of switching doctrines, you know what I'm saying, I, I, was, I was once five percent and now I came to Christ, but I wasn't established as of yet. I wasn't, I wasn't to a place, you know what I'm saying, rooted and grounded, you know what I'm saying, because like my, aunt, my aunt Shelly, she used to minister the word to me before I came to prison, and I gave my life to Christ as, as, as like three months before I came in. Three months before I came to prison, I gave my life to Christ. And you talking about God who didn't believe in God. I was basically an atheist. I believed I was God. 
and when I came in that church set, it was right here about Bethel Restoration. It was the old church though, the old Bethel when it was in um, Ironbound. And when I close it, when I run, when I go into the place, I see, um, I see like man, I, the stuff I never seen before. People, you know, what I'm saying, was, was speaking in different languages and and all that. And I said, man, what the man? These people going crazy. They lost them, but I didn't. I understand the power of God at the time. You know, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit was moving forward. And it was a man from Africa. It was an apostle from Africa. And uh, he was, uh, and my Aunt Shelly, she really wanted me to be there because for the seed of glory. And so she was like, Tony, we got a, a guy coming from Africa. He got a powerful healing ministry and this, that, that. I said, all right, okay, I'm going to go because you tell me to go. All right, okay. So I goes in there, and I seen this old woman sitting in the front seat. I seen her sitting in the front seat, and he came over to her. She had one leg bigger than the other. You know how they had the big heels on it. And this brother came over there and laid hands on her, her, her leg. And pe- there's a lot of people that still living right now today that can witness that her, her leg actually grew back. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and it was just amazing to me. I was like, man, what in the world is this? Man, what y'all got going on in here, man? You know? Because I was one made marker of them. You know what I'm saying? So with all that being said, I sat there. I witnessed the power of God that day. I witnessed. I sat there and seen them in my eyes. But I haven't. And what it did, it, it, it captured me to a place. I said, man, I'm going to keep fellowship with them. So I, I started coming back, coming back. And then just one day, you know what I'm saying, God just moved upon my heart, touched my heart. When he asked, Bishop Gray asked to come up, who to come up, get us up to Christ. That's what I did. And ever since then, you know what I'm saying, I've just been growing in the faith. Ever since then, you know what I'm saying, I've, I've been motivated to serve my Lord. And I've seen the realness, you know what I'm saying, that's in the kingdom of God. And, and even in prison, I really didn't know the knowledge of God's word. And that's what God did to me. He, he formed a, a hunger and a thirst in me of learning his word, knowing his word. Instead of me running to the commissary buying the Jordans, the Nikes and stuff, and uh, 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 all the food, I went to buy lexicons and, and, and um, uh, concordance and stuff like that to learn God's word, to get a good understanding of God's word. And with all that being said, that's all I did. I studied. I played sports, football, and basketball with the guy. That helped me time go past. But majority of my time was dedicated, you know what I'm saying, to studying the word of God. And, teach, and then later on, started teaching the word of God. And with that being said, as I started going forth and teach and minister to the brothers, it was some powerful experience in the prisons. Oh my God, man. I seen how God was using me, you know what I'm saying? In Bibles, everywhere I went, every prison I went, I would start off in the USP level. That's like a high level. It's like it's a lot more dangerous up there. And uh, the place I was at, you know what I'm saying, it was stab- stabbings, cut kit dudes, cutting each other's face all up, you know, and all type of stuff. But all praise be to God, you know what I'm saying? God used me to minister to these guys. And a lot of those guys gave it like the Christ, you know what I'm saying? And there was times where in the prison system where the, the, um, you're not able to have religious services like no other but in the chapel. It, everywhere I've been, God gave me the grace, you know what I'm saying, to go to the, to the gym, outside in the rec yard, and the po- I guess police would come over there and start hearing the word of God and would listen and ask questions about the word of God. <laughs> so I started, to see how, I started to see how this calling of God placed upon my life became reality, because I remember he spoke unto me, you know what I'm saying, how he wants to use me for the gathering of the saints. And I started to see that. And I'm talking about, it was like 50, 60, 70 guys would be outside, hearing the word of God teach, laying on hands. This is in the prison set. We're laying on hands, brothers speaking in the spirit, and interpretation of the things, you know what I'm saying? Not just only just some of this right here, but everything that was done according to a decent order, that was what we said, correct. I see how God, you know what I'm saying, instructed us to do to move like that. Yeah. So, I witnessed all that in jail. I witnessed all that in prison. And not just only witnessing in prison, but his brothers, you know what I'm saying, that who have followed me in there, you know what I'm saying, me teaching the word of God, 
they out here now. I got his brothers in California, brothers in D.C., brothers in Philly, you know what I'm saying, that's Jersey. I mean, almost all around the country. I got with a bro brother Ann that you talked to this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the key things we were doing. We was reconnecting all the brothers back to each other. Right. Like, I may, I may, I may was in like, I had like eight, nine brothers I was in touch with. He had like six or seven that he was in touch with. And all of us was talking to each other. And these brothers, they passed us, you know what I'm saying? They, they going on to the streets, you know what I'm saying? Like in D.C., Ray Witness, uh, one of the brothers named Rado. This brother right here, from, he from uh, as part of D.C. where it was killing real heavy at. He going out there with a bullhorn. With a bullhorn. Man, y'all stop kidding. Jesus love y'all, man. What's wrong with y'all? And guess what? God's drawing to him. They drawing him by them being so bold, you know what I'm saying? And going yeah. forth, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And saying, look, man, I love y'all. God love y'all. Jesus love y'all, man. Turn your life around. He going in the main streets of, of D.C., you know what I'm saying? Southeast, you know? And so, and then I got, it's another brother from Philly, you know what I'm saying? He going to South Philly, Spanish brother, you know what I'm saying? Otoka. I'm going to see him the 19th. I'm going to see him the 19th when I go off in Philly for a family union. He's, I'm going to be on a podcast each teach. So I'm saying all this. This just this is some of the things that God is doing in prison. You know what I'm saying through guys who, who once was in the streets and doing illegal, unlegal things. It's so many stories and stories upon it. But like I said, it just it just it just a blessing. You know what I'm saying for us. You know what I'm saying that we was able. You know what I'm saying to 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 receive God's mercy. You know because you have a lot of men that died in the street. You know what I'm saying a lot of men. You know what I'm saying who never got a second chance. You know what I'm saying to receive Christ. So. That's what makes it so wonderful and powerful to me to see how the, the, the great things that God has done it through my life, you know what I'm saying, such a matter like that, you know what I'm saying, to be used by. Thank you for that, brother. Thank you for that. Yeah. Ray. How did God meet you, brother? So throughout the years, throughout my incarceration, in the beginning, little seeds would come. Just little seeds would be planted, you know, um, just little different instances. But the day, and I haven't shared this story with too many people, but. Um, and you're you going to do it at church on live stream? Exactly. All right. Exactly. You I just want to make that. sure you know. <laughs> Y'all going to get it. Y'all going to get the real. But, yeah, so when you asked that question, it brought back a lot of memories. And I was like, man, I'm going to need some tissue up here or something. But um, so the day that, I mean, that God really showed himself to me, and I, you know, like Marty said, when he cried out to God, so that day was the day I signed a plea deal. You know, Marty and Tony, they went to trial and, you know, spent a lot of time in prison. And I was just looking at, you know, we was all faced with the same situation where, you know, we could have took, took a plea, or you can go to trial. You know, those, those are your two options you got when, you, when you're in there. So I was just looking at the whole situation, and um, I had two sons, and I, I did not want to take a plea. But I did not want to, I, I was facing a life sentence, and I was like, man. So I, I, just, I called out to God, I'm like, God. And I felt like I had an out-of-body experience, you know, because it took everything in me because one thing about it, when you sign a plea deal with the, for the charges that we had in the federal government, uh, it's not like they say, okay, you're going to plead to five years, you're going to plead to ten years. You plead out, and they say, we're going to get your sentence later. You know what I'm saying? They got to calculate numbers and all this type of stuff, how much drug you saw, how many years. You, there's a whole lot of things coming into play. So you really signing the piece of paper saying, I don't know how much time you're going to give me, but I plead guilty 
and I'm going to accept whatever you give me, you know. So that situation right there, I mean, that, that really broke me, you know. That, that broke me um, because I knew what all came along with, with that, you know. Other things came along with that as well. But to sign that piece of paper is to say I don't have a chance of going home anytime soon. I'm going to do time, you know. So at that point right there, I mean, it just felt like a ton of bricks just hit me, you know, signing that paper. And I'll tell you, I cried. I cried. When I say not just cried, I mean literally cried um, at that table signing that paper. And it just, it's, it, that, it was a breaking, breaking moment. And it just it seemed like that God just immediately, you know, started working on my heart at that moment. One of the federal agents um, that, was, that was there, and he saw, he was a Christian brother, and he put his, put his hand on my shoulder, and he wrote down a scripture, and he gave it to me. He said, I'm not supposed to be doing this. He said, but just put it in your pocket. Take it with you and read it. And just from that day on, just God was just working. Mm -hmm. He was just working and manifesting himself to me. And Pastor Fred, I don't know how you got this out of me today, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't do anything. That's the spirit, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, like I say, that from that from that time on, I mean, God was just working on me and just um, re- revealing Himself to me and just putting me in atmospheres with people um, that to get through a hard-headed person like myself to get through to me and gracefully break me to become the man that he wanted me to be. So that's, that's the story no, that's, in a nutshell. That's good, brother. Thank you for sharing that. So briefly, because I want to circle back to Faith Walkers. How did, you, how did you play into this connection? Okay, Marty uh, is the one, and my son got together and uh, hijacked me. Okay, that's, that's why I'm here. I, I'm here because the testimony and the spirit that comes from these guys and this organization, I was drawn to that. Now, I've, I've lived a very, very blessed life, done many wonderful things, have been all over the world, have huge, huge family, but when I was asked to be part of this group, and it was right out here in Virginia Beach almost exactly one year ago when we met, uh, I said, I'll do it, and I haven't regretted it. They are hardheads, though, I have to say that. <laughs> now, one question for everyone here. About a, th- about a half this group walked out the door, and they're all under 20 years old. Are, are all those kids your kids? Or you, did, did you invite half the community? No, there's a, we got about 90 of them. You've only, you only seen about a third of the church right now, so we have about 90 of those kids. Yeah, no, congratulations. I appreciate that. I know what it means to be a father and a grandfather, but... I appreciate this guy, and that's how I got drawn to it. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that, brother. So, Faith Walkers, because we're, we're running in on time here, and I want to get to that, but 
Part of why I wanted you to tell your story and people to hear it from your lips is because Faith Walkers is best understood by knowing a little bit about you. It's not going to be hard for now us to imagine the passion and the strength of character and courage and the deep faithfulness that you men have to bring the good news to a people who need good news in a bad news moment, in a bad news world. But talk to us about why you're doing Faith Walkers now. What do you do? Kind of keep that part a little shorter. People can learn that. But why do you do what you do? So what do you do, and why are you doing what you do? Well, we, as a collective unit, God called us separately. But he gave a vision to two men at the same time that were in two different places. Mm. That's what people don't know about how we became Faith Walkers. Faith Walkers is an organization that God is using the weak, the shame, the strong. Oh, all right. Okay? All right. Because in most people's eyes, we're weak. Mm. But we have strengths that people can't imagine. Mm. We can touch lives that most people can't. That's right. That's right. And we were called for a time like this. Yeah. With the way of the world, the way of our communities, the way that the youth is going, we were called for a time like this. What we do, we specialize in reentry because we've done it. So reentry is when people come out of incarceration and reenter into society. Cool. Right? We know what it takes to reenter society and be successful. Ray is a thriving businessman in the Williamsburg community. Tony's an aspiring entrepreneur. I'm an inspiring entrepreneur as well. So we specialize in reentry, helping men and women coming home from prison. We are establishing all that they would need based on what we needed from our experiences. Because we learned, we all learned that most of the things that you go through in life isn't for you. It's not for you. You experience it, but it's not for you. It's for you to be used by God to help somebody else. And I would lie, be lying to you if I sit up here and tell you that we didn't suffer. We suffered for our choices, mm. but it was the grace of God that kept us alive. Mm. It was the grace of God that kept us focused. It was the grace of God that gave us a vision for atonement. Mm. See, for us, it's about atonement. Yeah. It's about giving back. It's about making a difference. It's about loving people enough to not want your child to go through what we went through. God gave us that vision. And so with that vision has come some programs. Absolutely. You guys have concrete programs as a nonprofit organization that you invite people into. One of those programs being reentry. Talk to us about and helping people guide people through reentry. Tell us about those other two programs. Well, one of them is the mentor training program. And one of them is a program, and 
before I go any further, I, I have to acknowledge, you know, we have Kit here. I know y'all having a program. You see me, Tony, and Ray. But it's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. We have an outstanding group with us who, is, who are not here with us today. So we want to acknowledge our Vice President, Angel Bartlett, who's a thriving uh, therapist. We want to also acknowledge to Jerry Reed, who's our outstanding backbone secretary that keeps all of us together. And we just added more team members to bring forth Faith Walkers in an expanded way. So, and we have a six-week program that we're getting ready to implement for reentry. Men and women coming home, learning about life skills. Then we just recently touched bases with the Williamsburg and James City County social services who have pledged to us to be of assist assistance to us assisting other people. Right. So we're working now to put those programs in place so that we can be fully functional to receive those coming home. Yep. Now the second part, what you spoke about, is while we specialize in reentry, we also are developing prevention. That's right. Now the prevention starts with the youth. Mentoring, life coaching, the youth. And that's near and dear to Tony's heart, my heart, Ray Hart, all of us. However, because we know that all it takes is one mistake. We know all it takes is for somebody not to care enough to tell them the truth. And so we have designed our mentoring and life coaching aspect to touch those who haven't been touched and can't be touched by their parents. Because most of the parents don't live in the streets, never walked in the streets, never done the things in the streets that their kids are facing. That's the truth. If you be honest, that's the truth. That was y'all's story. That was our story. And what people don't realize is that happens in Williamsburg. A lot of us don't see it because of our zip codes and our bodies, but it happens in Williamsburg. Absolutely. I mean, these guys come from Williamsburg. Born and raised. So it's important to know that there's a whole side of this that many of us do not know, and it's why God raised up godly men like this and an organization like this to do it. So you're dealing with reentry. You're dealing with prevention. You're standing against violence. You're advocating, you're advocating for peace. You're advocating for the shalom of the gospel. Amen. And you're doing it through biblical programs, mentoring programs. It's a curriculum-driven program, so it's not just fly by the seat of their pants. It's an intelligent, thoughtful program and effort. And now you've got a home base. Yes. Where's right the home here. base? Oh, right here. WCC. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And by home base, by home base it simply means we converted an office for them to be able to work out of. We had one office that was a, that was a junk office. That it wasn't being used. We don't need it for classroom space. It was a storage office. We converted it for their office. They're going to work out of the office. They're going to hold their meetings here because they needed that support. They needed some connections. And as you know, we're a church family that's blessed with connections. 
Because this ministry matters. It matters. We're a city church, and there's a city work to do, and it needs to go out. And God has raised these men, and they needed a people of God to come around them, to support them, to do the work of repair, restoration, and, and renewal, and reconciliation. And um, this is what they needed. I asked them when I met them, I said, what do you need? And um, they said, we need, we need a space. We need a space. Well, God built this building. Whose building is this? the Lord's building. And this church has always been a hospitable church, always willing to make itself available for people who need to serve out of the community. And come on now, what better service to support? What better ministry to support? Now I want to be clear with this. By home base, it means we're supporting them. They're not our ministry. You with me? This is the ministry the Lord has entrusted to them. It's the Lord's ministry entrusted to them. But we can be their church family of support what they need. We can hug them when, they're, when it's hard. We can support them when there's needs. We can serve them when their need, serving needs arise. Does that make sense? Yes. We talk it, and we talk about doing the work of prevention. We talk about what's going on in the world. Then let's be about the talk as God has raised us up to be. And this is an invitation that God ordained. God ordained this. Amen. You had Amen. needs. God ordained this. And so now we're going to see it move forward. Now, we run out of time, and they're going to get mad at me for taking this too long. But or are you going to get mad at me for that? I mean, isn't this, this is life-giving, right? This is life-giving. This is life-giving. What you got? I would, uh, on behalf of Faith Walkers, you know, we're blessed to be here. You know, Pastor Fred has been a godsend to us. There, nothing happens by uh, coincidence. As believers, there's two things that we don't believe in. We don't believe in luck, and we don't believe in coincidence. Amen? And that day that I, he met us at Juneteenth, and he walked past me, and he doubled back and saw the name of my shirt and said, I've been looking for you. I've been looking for you guys. Here we are. And here we are. <laughs> and I, I just want to say this, man. We're blessed to be honored by you. We're blessed to be among you. We're blessed to be welcome. And I, I will say this, and I told Ray, you know, I love what this church does with the children. I love it. That's one of the main reasons why I keep coming back. And I'll tell you what another reason is. I walked in the first day to this church not knowing what to expect kind of anxious, you know, five people, and I'm not going to put nobody on blast, five people, when I walked in the building, greeted me with smiles and said, I'm happy you're here. And I will say this to you, in life, if you're blessed, if you're blessed enough to receive a touch from Christ in human form, mm. then truly, truly, you have experienced something amazing. Mm. And I have experienced that here. Mm. Praise the Lord. I've been to churches where people would look at us like, what is he doing here? Why is he here? It's even happened at funerals. But I will say this, and I'm not being disparaging about the churches. 
thank you. Thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for being who you are and who Christ called you to be. You guys, we honor you for accepting us for who we are. And we hope that we can serve you to the best of our ability. Now, you honored us. We want to honor you. Why you dog, bro? <laughs> Open it. Come on now. Oh, it's blue. Oh, yeah. All right. Here you go. So church, let's, um, let's stand together and let's give these, these brothers a thanks and let's give God praise. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.